Hello, Mississippi and abroad, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, where we talk SEC through the lens of Mississippi. I am Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, joined today by Dalton Middleton, our Mississippi State writer, talking March Madness in the program today, who will best represent the SEC. We're going to hash that out. Uh, Dalton, are you hunkered down? Man, we're in, uh, we're in that purple color today. That's like the highest threat level. Don't like to see purple. Yeah, I was. Uh, I saw it last night or yesterday during the game, and I was like, you know, that does not look good. And then I've, I've been watching it, and it, it just seems like every hour I check it or every single time I check it, it just gets worse and worse or it gets bigger. Because um, I know um, when I woke up you know, a few minutes ago, uh, Jillian had sent me – my girlfriend Jillian had sent me a, a picture on a Twitter from a meteorologist, and it just looked really bad. So – I'd imagine I'm gonna be sitting here at the house for a while today. Well, I, you know, we have our our kids, our adult kids. Uh, they're in Jackson, but I tell them, look, man, this severe weather comes around. They're in the Jackson area. I said it's it's like kindergarten. You have to know your colors, and and purple is bad. You know, if it's just green, <laughs> if the threat level is green, man, you you know, we're gonna skate by. You know, right. yellow, yeah, orange, orange gets my attention. Then red, but man, when you get purple, I'll tell you. Uh, Dalton, in 2014, when the tornado hit uh, Tupelo, what were you? Were you about 11? You about 11 in 2014? In 2014? <laughs> uh, no, I would just I – I was at Jones then. I was yeah, in, uh, yeah. freshman year of college. I, I know you were. Um, 2014, uh, they put Tupelo in that purple like at the last minute, and then it's like boom. Uh, then the, the, the tornado uh, came on. They, they changed the forecast there, you know, not long before. And, right. and so in my mind, when I see purple, I think somebody's fixing to get it. So, uh, well, I hope it's not, uh, I hope it's, I hope it's better than expected down well, here. You know, prayers for all of those in the paths of storms today. Uh, so be careful folks. Uh, baseball last night, uh, uh, Dalton, uh, state had a, had a win against Sanford Ole Miss a few weeks ago, ranked number one. We're seeing cracks in the armor right now and, uh, losing 13 to one last night to Louisiana Tech, a good team, okay, a good team. But, uh, look, 13-1, to 1, you just couldn't really get anything going in any phase of the game. Last uh, non-conference game for both uh, State uh, and Ole Miss, uh, the Bulldogs, what, 10-1, to 1, did you say, 10-2 to 2 against Sanford last night they won? Yeah, 10-2, to 2, they're now 14-3. They've won seven straight, won 11 out of 12. They're, uh, they're playing pretty good going into – going into conference play. I think they've allowed four runs in about the last 65 innings. So the pitching staff is looking good right now. Makes me uh, makes me feel kind of stupid. I wrote a column last week, I think at the beginning of the week, um, talking about how the pitching staff has not been that great, like how the starting pitching is. It was it was right after the no-hitter. I was like, yeah, the no-hitter is great, but, you know, they have, they have been struggling this year outside of that one game. And then, of course, they threw, like, three straight scoreless games after that and allowed two or four runs in the last 65 innings. So they kind of proved me wrong there. Yeah, but they were, um, they, they had giving up, had given up some, uh, some hits, some runs there uh, with, with pitching and, and, uh, but they've hit a groove and uh, we'll see mm-hmm. if Ole Miss can hit a groove again. Uh, the Rebels at home Friday for the start of SEC play against Auburn. Uh, who does state have for the SEC weekend? They, they're going to LSU to play. So, uh, first time on Alex Box down there. Well, you know what? Uh, Alex Box, as SEC baseball stadiums go, is nice. You know, I think it's overrated. 
I, I think the uh, right. of course the atmosphere when they're winning and they fill it up and it'll be nice for uh, the SEC games. Uh, I, I don't know what their limitations are right now. They're they're not uh, wide open like Mississippi. I, I don't think they're fifty percent. Yeah, yeah. So they'll, last they'll I be, saw, they were fifty percent. So. Yeah, there'll be some of that in play with the COVID restrictions, but uh, the press box is okay. What? What I, when I look at Alex Box, I just don't see uh, – look, there are some bleachers in the outfield. I just don't see as nice a stadium, nor nor will they be as nice in most places as we see in Oxford and Starkville, uh, right. the teams that we're cover. Fortunate uh, in that regard. But, but where LSU has done a really good job outside the baseball stadium is uh, in honoring their championship teams, a statue uh, – uh, a statue here and there, uh, just plaques, uh, kind of a, you know, an, an area to walk through and, and just read about uh, their championship teams. All of that is done really, really well outside the front gates of the stadium. Yeah, and I, I haven't seen that at the baseball stadium yet, of course, but whenever I went and covered there during football season, I did see a couple of things, you know, that was kind of cool to walk by and see, you know, of course, you know, they had the um, – the big shack monument there in a, for basketball and, and then the, the Mike Tiger, which kind of was all on that walking path to the stadium. So it's kind of cool to see stuff like that. You know, I don't, I don't really get to see that here at, at state very often. <laughs> um, and so it's cool to see some of those monuments and some of those things that they do there. And I'm excited to see the ones that you're talking about right there, the baseball, the championship teams and such. Yeah. And I'll tell you uh, something else that's interesting because I know you're a little bit of an outdoors enthusiast uh, as I am. If uh, you, you get parked at baseball there, after you get parked, walk uh, a couple of blocks uh, down to the river. And uh, it's a really nice uh, nice sidewalk, uh, walking path there uh, on the levee. And that's just kind of uh, just kind of interesting. It's always uh, you know, something I try to do if I'm down there. I'll go walk on the river a little bit. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Well, they may be looking for lifeguards there along the levee. Uh, Dalton, I, I don't know if they do much swimming in the river or not, but I know they're looking for lifeguards uh, with our partners, uh, the Oxford Park Commission. We are excited to have OPC along for the ride, and they are looking for lifeguards for the city pool this summer. Uh, the season opens Memorial Day weekend, runs through Labor Day. Lifeguard candidates need to be at least 16, uh, 16 or older. They need to hold a current lifeguard certification. Uh, any questions can be directed to OPC Aquatics Director Jamie Chandler at jamie at oxfordparkcommission.com. That's J-A-M-I-E at oxfordparkcommission.com. You can apply online at oxfordms.net. So tell you what, lots going on at OPC. I mean, we've talked a lot about the mini kickers, and uh, maybe we'll get uh, John Davis to send us a picture, man. I, you know, I, you, you get this age, you, your parent and your grandparent kind of age, Dalton. Uh, maybe this doesn't appeal to you as much. Maybe it does. But uh, little kids kicking soccer balls and falling down and chasing each other. I'd kind of like to see a, a picture of that. Maybe we'll get uh, get J.D. to post one in here. So you got nephews, man. You got nephews, little cousins. Uh, you know, it might be mini kickers. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a whole bunch of them. So my uh, – my, I have three siblings. I have my twin sister, Aaron, and then I have two older brothers who are also twins. So uh, my mom has went through a, a lot. Um, and one of my older, so my sister has a, has a, as a kid, uh, it's about three, I think about to turn three, somewhere around that age. Um, one of my brothers has one kid and then my other brother has five. So 
he uh he he's been putting in the work over the last Man. ten years or so. Yeah, that, that's big number. That's that's way past man defense. You know. Yeah, it is. So there's yeah. they can you know they can go get the uh this little this little group of folks and we can make a we can have a whole individual team. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Ooh, that, so that's tough. Let's talk some basketball, man. March Madness, uh, the SEC, six teams uh, in the big tournament. Uh, who goes the farthest here, man? Uh, you know, I think there are several possibilities here. Let's start at the other direction. Florida, I think Florida could be the first team out here. I just uh, I look at the Gators. I see ninth in the league in rebound margin, and I just don't see – when I look at, at LSU, Alabama – Arkansas, I, I see such depth in the backboard. I see multiple guys that can hurt you. I just don't – I don't see that fearsome uh, offensive presence from Florida. I know Trey Mann does a good job, but I, I don't see the multiple really athletic weapons there with the Gators. I know Colin Castleton, the, the big guy, the Purdue transfer, uh, does a good job if he can get advantage – position but uh his teammates have to help him do that i think a, a good defensive plan can really limit him he's their leading rebounder at 5.9 so just really not as much a, a threat there as i think yeah. it needs to be i think florida could be uh the first team out i also you know i can i can agree with that i think i also think florida outside of the little 18 bubbles or 14 bubbles that you want to look at that include number one seed i do think Florida and Arkansas over there with like Texas Tech and such is probably the hardest little Ohio State is probably the hardest little bubble right there because yeah Ohio State is playing extremely well you know they just I think they ended up winning the Big Ten um, championship the other day uh, I think they Texas came Tech close really, I think they got real close to it I think Michigan won that no they beat Michigan Illinois they, may beat them oh okay Illinois, Illinois. there we go yeah um, so they beat Michigan lost and then, to Illinois. Texas Tech has what the Max Max McClung, I think is his name, kid. Um, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's his name. So that's a pretty tough little yeah. 18 bubble over there between those guys. So yeah, I could see Florida um, being one of those first teams to lose. I think Arkansas is going to have a real tough path out of there. But really, um, the team that I think honestly might be the first team to lose is Missouri. Yeah. Um, you know, they're over there. They're playing Oklahoma. I don't think Oklahoma is playing its, you know, best basketball of the year right now either. But Missouri is really, you know, I don't know how many of the last whatever they've lost, but I just feel like they really were, you know, ranked like number 10 or 11 in the nation. And now they're a nine seed or eight seed. You know, they just really kind of uh, fallen off towards the yeah. end of the season. And, and you saw them a couple of times. I saw State beat them by 15. I think you saw Ole Miss beat them twice. So, yeah, they did kind of peter out at the end. Now they went through a uh, um, a period where they they didn't have uh, uh, Tillman, their big guy, and uh, you know that that you know so they had to adjust for that. Uh, look, and of course that they, they had uh, I want to say they had a COVID pause or some COVID issues, uh, you know, as a lot of teams did. Um, but uh, look, they just yeah they were not playing their best basketball at the end and. I had uh, somebody ask me in the Facebook group, well, you know, why? Why is Missouri uh, in there ahead of Ole Miss? Ole Miss uh, swept them. And, you know, the, the net rankings were not that different. Uh, you know, Missouri's, Missouri was better, uh, but just not that different. And then you had the two head-to-head -head games and, and Ole Miss winning there. Uh, 
you know, at Missouri. Why? Why did Missouri get in? Well, Missouri had like seven quadrant one wins. Right. They had, had a bunch of quadrant one wins. I'm looking at the schedule here now, uh, they beat Georgia in the SEC tournament, which is not really a, a significant uh, achievement. Uh, lost to Arkansas by six. Lost to LSU in the last game of the regular season. Played them well, uh, you know, 86 to 80. Uh, they they beat Florida. So really, right now they're looking at what uh, lost two of their last three, uh, two and two in the last four, uh, two and three in the last five. Uh, that goes back to the Ole Miss game on February the 23rd. Uh, so just, you know, they just didn't they, – they hit that lull, and man, and, and they just didn't really – when it, when they came out of it, they were playing about 500 ball. They didn't really pick up the pace that they had set uh, earlier in the season. So Yeah, and – I, I get your, uh, you know, you mentioned you were asked that question in your Facebook group, and I get it because when I saw Missouri, I think they were ranked 11 or number 10, somewhere in the 9, 10, 11 area. And my first thought was watching them play state is because was that they shouldn't be ranked that high. Like, why are they ranked that high? Because state was a very average team this year and completely manhandled Missouri. They were just better than them, like, on in, like every facet of the game, it seemed like, and you know, they could have just been a bad game for Missouri, but you also saw it twice with Ole Miss. Um, and so I just don't know if that team is as good as the number, the, the number nine seed they got in the NCAA tournament or what, but you, like you said, they do have seven quadrant one wins. So good for them. I think they have a tough road because if they do get past uh, Oklahoma, then they have Gonzaga waiting on them. So. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. Um, yeah. They've got those quad one wins and that, that carries, a lot of weight, seven, seven of those. Now, there were a couple other teams with seven, but I think, uh, you know, only only two other teams outside of the net top ten had more than seven quad one wins. And so that's a, that's a stout figure for Missouri, and, and I think that carried the day for them. That's why they got in there. But they they go into the tournament with that uh, net ranking. None of that matters now, the net. That's just, you know, one of the components to uh, – Help the committee determine in a large bit, but they, you know, in doing that, you know, their net was 47. Old Misses was 53. Not a lot mm-hmm. of difference there, and Old Miss swept them. Uh, but Old Miss had three quad one wins uh, compared to Missouri's seven. So that's, uh, you know, that that uh, that carried some weight. Well, I guess um, you know we've talked about three of the teams. So I guess for out of the other three that are in there, Tennessee, LSU, Alabama. Which of those do you think makes it the farthest? Because I'm looking at kind of the um, the path for some of these. It doesn't seem like Tennessee just has a crazy tough path unless Illinois – I don't know anything about Illinois. I didn't even know they were a one seed until um, until I saw them beat Ohio State. And so, you know, obviously that team's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but Tennessee is in there with Oregon State, Oklahoma State. So they got Cade Cunningham in there. That's that's a tough matchup if they get to the uh, second round. Um, then you got Liberty, Georgia Tech, who's playing some really good ball, won the ACC tournament, I think. Uh, Loyola, Chicago, Drexel, Illinois. So I think Tennessee could make a run in there if they can get past Cade Cunningham. Um, but you know, who knows? You know, I think the LSU and Alabama bracket over there is is a, a little more favorable to the SEC teams. Yeah. Here's a question, though, Dalton. When you get to this time of the year, you, you know, of course, I've, I've heard for years that guard play, you know, guard play is going to carry you in the tournament. Guard play is what you have to have. What about style? Is, is the style uh, that's going to go the farthest 
Is it going to be that defense and that low-scoring game that, that Ole Miss had some success with uh, during the regular season? Not enough success to get uh, to get in the dance, but that's the style that Tennessee plays. Now Tennessee has, uh, I think Tennessee has uh, more athletes at different positions than Ole Miss does. Uh, more they had more proven scores night in and night out. Uh, Ole Miss played really well in that game, but is is that is that a better style or is it going to be the LSU style, okay, because I think LSU could be a sleeper here with their athleticism. And then we talk about the the multiple weapons and the depth in the backcourt, uh, so many different guys that could hurt you. I think LSU could be a sleeper. Uh, Tennessee, even perhaps in, in a favorable bracket, do you think they go far uh, or do they, uh, they run into somebody hot? I think um... – I think the LSU style is more favorable when you get to this point of the year. Of course, the defense is defense. You know, Alabama plays great defense. But you're going to have to have some – a couple of guards be some really high-scoring guards. And when I look at the Tennessee side of it, that's what I see in the Oklahoma State, which they were playing the second round if they can get past Liberty and Tennessee gets past Oregon State, is that that Cade Cunningham kid – I don't know if you saw him play very much this year, but that that, that, that kid's a – he's automatic. Yeah. Um, and that's what, you know, you look at stuff like that. And when when you play a, a style of defense like Tennessee or in, in Ole Miss and stuff do, you know, you, you stop a lot of offense. But there's always going to be like – Kate Cunningham is one of those kids that uh, isn't going to be stopped. You know, he kind of reminds me of a, like a Trey Young from a few years ago. Or I guess really you could say um, – what was the kid's name for Ole Miss? Uh Moody, is Moody. That, is that yeah, yeah. So, kind of reminds me of a player like that that just goes up there. He's going to score you, you know, 25, 30 points every single game, and you just kind of lead that offense. And then, I guess you try to buckle down on him. Then all of a sudden, it leaves someone else open. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that that style of play because when you get into a face a team like that, of course, it, it can start to get to a shootout. And if you don't have the the offensive depth or the the guard firepower that you that's Tennessee might not have right now, um, then you might well, be in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, I'll tell you, one thing that uh, that you're going to run, run up to in just about every game in the NCAA tournament is coaching. It's good coaching. Mm-hmm. And uh, most good coach. I mean, these, these teams aren't here by accident. There's a plan. <laughs> you know, uh, it, there's, there's bench coaching and recruiting and program building. There are all of these things. These teams aren't here by accident. Most good coaching can find a plan to offset a style, you know, and I think a lot of times, you know, these games are going to come down to who do you have that can make that go get his own shot, create his own right. shot. You know, it's going to come down to athleticism. Now, you know, uh, good coaches can counter good athletes too, but but uh, I just – I look at, the, at Ole Miss right now and I just don't see – uh, that ability enough. I don't see that ability to create your shot. I see a lot of of good players, and they could win a they could win a while in the NIT. They could make a little run, uh, but I see some good players working together within uh, Kermit Davis's scheme when they are at peak performance, which they really didn't hit until February. But right. uh, you know, we talked about uh, uh, Kermit a lot uh, among ourselves as, as beat writers. Dalton, um, he was getting questions there at the end about uh, 
uh, consistency. How can this team be more consistent? And I was one of the ones asking that question um, because in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, this team struggled early in the season, didn't have much consistency. Then all of a sudden they, they get the two nice wins there at Mississippi State, which had gotten off to a hot start in conference play. Uh, nice win there. And they go home and beat Texas A&M. I'm thinking, okay, this is where they've turned the corner. And then they just go and, yes, Arkansas turns out to be one of the better teams in the league. They go play them in Fayetteville, but they just really weren't very competitive in that game. Then they go to Georgia uh, and, and lose that game as well, end up getting swept by Georgia this season. Um, that's not the team in the conference that you should be swept by. Not, not that they don't have players as well. But uh, yeah, you, if you don't sweep that, if you don't get swept that series, you're probably in the NCAA tournament. Well, it's it's those two games, and then you think, well, they got off the mat and and they come back home. They beat Tennessee, and you know they're playing well again, and and, and then they, you know, then they fall again. And it's just there was there was a lot of that until they got to February, and and they um, they just really they, they hit a different switch, and it turns out they they won eight of their last ten games going into that SEC quarter. Right. Against LSU, they'd won eight out of ten, but the loss against Mississippi State in Oxford and the loss against a wounded Vanderbilt team in Nashville, they, they were glaring because they didn't win enough earlier in the season. You know, yeah. they, they had such a small margin for error to try to play themselves into the tournament. Uh, and again, so, you know, credit uh, Ole Miss for getting hot, uh, winning eight out of ten. Uh, to put themselves in position, uh, getting up to what was widely considered a play-in game in the SEC tournament, uh, that, that LSU game in the quarters, win and you're in. That's what most people thought that game was for Ole Miss. And then playing extremely well in that game, playing uh, playing very well, having a chance to win against a team that was you know, much more athletic, had those multiple uh, multiple weapons that we talked about. And, and for Ole Miss, you know, Jarkel Joyner's playing well right now. Um, but he hasn't had you know, consistently through the season. A lot of times it's been Shuler or bust. It's been Shuler or how many times can they get the ball inside to Romello White? You know, he was another good, uh, good option for them. But if he can't get it to him, you know, he was not a create his own shot guy. Right. And uh, I'm going to go off on too big of a tangent here about him. But, uh, you know, I think that's what Ole Miss is picking up next year in Deshaun Ruffin that we talked to, you know, we, we, we talked with uh, coach uh, Sanders yesterday over there. And, uh, and uh, that's, that's what, that's what I think they're getting in the Callaway guard next year is a guy that can create his own shot over there and, and, and be that, that electric guard that some of these teams need. But yeah, you mentioned the LSU team that almost, you know, played that playing game against and everything. And uh, LSU kind of, you know, they're an eight seed in the tournament, I think. And I, I honestly, I thought they were playing a little better than that, but, uh, I'm not sure exactly what their record was towards the end of the season. I think State State played them kind of early in SEC in, in, or maybe in the middle and just never played them again, so I didn't pay too much attention to what their record was following that. Um, but they, they start off against uh, St. Bonaventure. Bonaventure. Yeah. Think, um, Bonaventure. yeah. And uh, I don't think that's an easy matchup. You know, that, that team over there is uh, – they're in that uh, what, Atlantic, Atlantic 10, whatever – what is yeah. that called? Uh over there with Dayton and uh, St. Louis and all them. So uh, I know I was kind of looking at it earlier 
because LSU played St. Louis because Mississippi State's playing St. Louis in the NIT. So I was looking at their schedule. They beat St. Louis beat LSU. They beat uh, uh, Bonaventure. So like LSU is kind of might be a pretty close even matchup there. Um, but they are playing well right now. Those guards are playing really well. Um, Trenton Watford's kind of come out this year as, as one of those, you know, top guys in the league type thing. And so, you know, um, they got a tough matchup if they can get past them because they have Michigan in the next round. But uh, that's a team that could uh, possibly get somewhere if they're playing really well. That's just, you know, that's just the the part of it, though, is I can't stare and promise that that LSU team will make a run to the final, uh, to the Sweet 16 or anything because they have the number one seed sitting their way in the second round. Right, right. That 8-9 game is tough. It, that That's a tough matchup. But uh, uh, I, I do think uh, LSU is athletic and will compete well uh, in, in the tournament. Uh, let's talk about state a little bit. Uh, Dalton, are they surprised to be in the NIT 15 and 14 reduced field? Um, and how do you think they respond after, uh, uh, facing, uh, after a really humbling loss against Alabama in the tournament and, and Alabama, as we, as we look at them right now, that they didn't really have anything to prove in that conference tournament yet. They were locked in. They, they were really dialed in. I mean, I don't think they were going to get a one seed. They probably had a two seed wrapped up, and then they go and win the whole thing in Nashville. But really tough loss for State to end that first game. Are they surprised to be in the NIT, and uh, how do you think they respond? Yeah, I think they are. I think they are uh, surprised. I know when we talked to Ben Howland after the Alabama loss, he said that there was a very, very outside chance they get into the NIT. And I think that outside chance was – you know, happened only because a bunch of teams like Duke and Louisville and stuff like that turned down their bids um, or turned down their invites. So that's why it states in there. And to, it, I don't know, this really is not going to be an answer to your, your second question there, but uh, I don't know how they're going to respond. This this team is, you know, they, they have been so inconsistent this year because – it, it, it's not like they go down there. It's not like they go out there and they, they lose by 20 something points. And you're like, okay, you know, they lose another game by 20 points. It, they'll go out there and lose by 20 points. And then all of a sudden they'll go out there and beat a ranked team by 15 points. And so I, I don't know. It, it's really tough for me because the, the team just does not, there is no, there's no trends. It, it It's literally, what are they going to do this game? You know, that every game is different. Every game seems like it's the start of a new season for them because they play so different and, you know, the effort is different and everything. It's very it's very tough to make it to where you're covering them because you can't predict any games. Um, and so, I don't know. You know, St. Louis is a really good team, uh, 14 and 6, or 14 and 6, I believe. Um, you know, they had some quality wins. They, they were 2-2 two and two against teams in the NCAA tournament this year. So they beat two teams in there. They were two and two against teams in the NIT. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm looking at it there and they beat LSU. State could not beat LSU. Um, and so I don't know. It, it, it's tough for me to sit here and be like, oh, you know, this is what's going to happen. I know St. Louis has some really good guard play. Um, and State has, you know, done pretty well defensively, but they do uh, – if those two guys are really big three-point shooters, which I'm not entirely sure if that's their uh, – that's the style of play they have right now, um, and they're going to have some trouble because State really has some trouble defending the threes. I mean, Al- the game against Alabama, you know, you lose, what, 85 to 48. I think Alabama probably outscored State 
with just three pointers themselves. I know at one point they had more three point baskets than state had field goals. So it's, it's just, you know, if that's their, if that's what they do is to shoot threes, then it could be a really long day for state because it just seems after, you know, six years here, Ben Howland and still hasn't figured out how to make his team defend a three point shot. So I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll say this in fairness to state, and this goes to your point of, uh, of hard to follow and predict with this team uh, that SEC tournament loss to uh, Alabama was not their first game in Nashville. They had a nice win against Kentucky in the first uh, in their first tournament game. Iverson Molinar hit some big shots there at the end, and, and so that was a, a quality game there uh, for State. But boy, they uh, they just really uh, took it on the chin against Alabama. Yeah, and so. It's just, it's just tough, you know. It's kind of like when they played Ole Miss. You know, you lose at home by, what, 20-something points, then you go there and think they had lost two straight going to Ole Miss, and all of a sudden you go and beat them, a team that was kind of streaking, like you mentioned earlier, by 15 points. So it's just kind of real inconsistent. Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence. Talking SEC through the lens of Mississippi. Uh, hey, we got uh, college baseball this weekend. We'll talk about that uh, more uh, on Friday when we get together again. I'll, I'll be uh, with Brad Henderson. We'll talk some Ole Miss baseball in the feed tomorrow. Be sure to check out our work at djournal.com. Find that drop-down menu on the left. Scroll down to the Ole Miss and Mississippi State pages and watch the stories flow. We're on Facebook as well. Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford, Mississippi State discussion with Dalton Middleton, lots of good things in those groups. Thanks for being with us, folks.